Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to TalkSport's Game Day Podcast with me, Sam Adderface, Alex Crook and Scott Minto as we recap all the week's Premier League action, including another record-breaking week for Erling Haaland. Which club is more chaotic, Leeds or Chelsea? We'll talk Sam Allardyce's return to the Premier League and a pathetic performance from the Blues in midweek. Who is leading the race to become the Spurs manager? Javi Alonso is the latest name to be linked, done quite well by Leverkusen. And we will preview another bumper weekend of action on the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. Hello, Scott Minto. You all right? Good morning, chaps. How are you, Crook? It's nice to see you, actually. Are you, are you okay? I'm good. I'm good. I, I apologise, um, Scott, because I've had a. I woke up this morning to quite a crude message. You got a crude message, an aggressive message. Yeah, to, to, you know, basically asking, "Where are you? I've got shoes. I've got a bag. I've got a coat." So basically, but no I, crook. I was due to share a room with Sam after the Brighton game last night. He booked only one bed. I get back to the room. Get the hint, Crook. Adrian Durham texts me and said, I've got two massive beds if you want if you want to use one of them. So I do that, obviously. And listen, it's like I've cheated on him this morning. He is not happy with me. Do you prefer him to me because he's got an award? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I, I only sleep with award winners. I, I saw the text. I felt the hurt that came from him. There's nice. him booking a romantic night in Brighton, which is a lovely place to be. Beautiful. The thing is, I heard, Crookie, there were two beds, but you ended up with Aid anyway, spooning him. <laughs> A vicious rumour. <laughs> he was quite surprised, actually, because I think he was just being polite. So when I did walk into his room at three o'clock this morning, he was a bit shocked to see me. <laughs> I couldn't keep the pace up with those two last night. It's been a long week for me. Uh, but uh, those two, uh, they were still going well into the early hours of the morning. Uh, I, I, mean, I must have sloped off around about two o'clock. Uh, we are still in Brighton, actually, after Brighton won Manchester United, Neil. What a terrific game of football that was, Scott. Do you know what? It was a really good game of football, wasn't it? And it felt like, you know, when you play at Wembley, is something about Wembley, there's a little bit more pressure and um, the game, the tempo is a little slower. And what we saw compared to the semi-final not that long ago was, I mean, look, Manchester United created chances and they, and they had plenty of counter-attacks um, and, and the ability to go ahead, one if not 2-0. But Brighton, I just love the way they play. I really do. I mean, but what Graham Potter did with with Brighton was amazing, but there's no doubt that the Zerbi has taken it to another level. And when you got Pep saying they're the best team at playing out from the back, you know that they're onto something good, Brighton fans at yeah. the moment. Absolutely. They keep the top four race interesting. I don't think there's much chance of Brighton getting into that top four, but certainly 
they've made it interesting for everybody else because Liverpool might sneak up on the outside and nick a place off you. Well, we said earlier this week, didn't we, that Liverpool were more than capable with their running, very favourable running of winning every game. I think that's still the case. Obviously, they've got Brentford this weekend. So United need to go to West Ham and get something. Are you telling me that West Ham's are going to be a hard game? You're worried about going to West Ham. Are you turning into Martin Keogh? I'm doing a Martin Keogh just because of United's away record. And you know what? Luke Shaw's going to get the blame. And it was mindless what he did. Uh, you know, I still can't legislate for a defender going up in the last minute of a game like that and just flicking the ball away with his arm, with, with the technology. You're just not going to get away with it. However, fair play to Luke Shaw. He faced the media afterwards. He literally held his hands up. But he also said, we shouldn't have got ourselves in that situation because we had so many chances and this happens game after game. And he's right. I was at Old Trafford on Sunday. They should have beat Villa by five. They need to be more ruthless, United, particularly away from home. It's a big issue. There in Ten Hag needs to resolve. But credit to Brighton. And you know what? Just picking up on what Scott was saying there about De Zerbi, I wonder, Roberto De Zerbi, he's going to stay at Brighton at least until the end of the next season. Is he a future Manchester City manager? Is that why Pep's being nice to him? You never know. Uh, let's hear from Eric Ten Hag, though, because, as you say, he wasn't happy about his side not taking the chances. I think it was the same as Wembley, because also there we had great uh, chances, really good opportunities, and I think it was today, the first hour, the same, that we created good chances um, from a good defence organisation into attacking transition. Uh, I think we did quite well, and I think we did even better as on Wembley. Um, so, but the second half, yeah, there was less. Um, we went down a little bit in performance, and you have to keep the control till the end of the game, and especially keep the focus. And there were several of them in that first half, in particular. In fact, that first minute, as he mentioned, you know, you've got to you've got to get in front when you get an opportunity like that. It's a very different game there. Um, I, let's talk about Brighton, though. Excellent penalty from Alexis McAllister. I've got to say, Scott, that's nerveless, bearing in mind the circumstances. He, t- he, he, he knows they've just lost the FA Cup semi-final on penalties to Manchester United. He knows that a couple of seasons ago, Manchester United got a uh, penalty kick after the final whistle, thanks to VAR, and won the game down at Brighton. He knows that this could be powering them to Europe. And he steps up nervously, has to wait a minute and a half to take it, and smashes it in. It was brilliant. He also knows how to win a World Cup, doesn't he? And yeah, he does. You, he's he's, he's done you... it in a pressurised situation before. <laughs> yeah. did, did he take a penalty in no. the World Cup? No, he didn't. Like, no. no, but uh, and that surprises me because I think he would have stepped up. I, I remember when when I, I think I might have been with you guys in the White and Jordan, and we interviewed him, and I said to him, and I genuinely mean it, you were the second best player for your country uh, to win, and and went on to win the World Cup. You know, after, after Messi, Enzo I, Fernandez. No, I've, I've, I've listened. Enzo Fernandez was very good when he came on in that second game. And then on, but I thought McAllister was superb. Um, he, he is nervous and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I know he signed a contract just before the World Cup and we know that Brighton are very good negotiators. But I do think he's one of the top players in the Premier League right now. So not just in terms of that particular pressure situation, but where he can play. And he's very versatile. He's not just a forward player. He can play as one of the two holders as well. We're, t- we're talking him up, but um, everybody who has bought a player off Brighton over the course of the last few uh, months and years is sitting there thinking, hold on, is there something about that little environment down in Brighton where they only thrive down there and then they go off elsewhere and all of a sudden they sort of disappear? So maybe they'll be a chuck bit cautious about it. Chuck in the manager in that situation as well. <laughs> Cucurella, Graham Potter, Yves Basuma. Um, let's talk a little bit about Deserby though, because uh, he had a, come up with a couple of brilliant lines last night. 
I asked about Eric Ten Hag. He was unhappy about the award of a free kick. He said, Eric Ten Hag's got to, got to hold his hands up like I did in the Carabao Cup and say, we didn't deserve to win this game because he didn't deserve to win the semi-final and he didn't deserve to win this one either. And then he said, tonight it has been proved that there is a footballing god. And he actually said it like that as well. Like, probably Godfather-esque. Well, I think he's right about the semi-final. I'm not sure that Brighton, over the 90 minutes, necessarily deserved to win the game. What, last night? Yeah, I think United were the better team in the first half. Brighton, the better team in the second. I actually think a draw would have been a fair result. But listen, credit to him because I know how ill he was on Wednesday. He was literally in bed all day. And he's you weren't with him there, were you? Down in Brighton again. Yeah, I've got a message from him saying, where are you? Your shoes are here. <laughs> um, but... But he dragged himself off his sick bed and he came up with a plan just on McAllister and that penalty. It's quite easy to score a penalty like that when you know you're only facing David oh, so De Gea. You're just going to have a go at David All De Gea you have now. to do is hit the target. I, I said to the guy next to me, that, well, there's no chance David De Gea saved this. United's only salvation is if he blazed it over the crossbar like March did at Wembley. He didn't. I mean, that's a big issue. How can you be one of the top goalkeepers in the Premier League, if not the world, and you never save a penalty? Can I ask you a question about David De Gea's penalty form? Go on. Is it the Glazers' fault? It's all the Glazers' <laughs> fault. It's all the Glazers' fault. Um, Manchester United have got eminently winnable fixtures between now and the end of the season. Brighton have got a tougher run in than them. So I think Brighton will probably miss out of... I think they'll probably miss out Europa League, to be honest with you, and get Conference League possibly. I hope they get on a European tour because they've had a terrific season and they deserve it. Manchester United will be hoping now to hold on to Champions League football. But Brighton do play Newcastle in the next uh, few weeks. That's live on TalkSport. Looking forward to that. And they may be involved in the game where Manchester City seal the title as well. Also live on TalkSport on May 24th. Right, let's turn our attention to the weekend's games. Beginning at the Etihad, where Sam Allardyce makes his return to a Premier League dugout. I'm not joking. This is actually going to happen. Well, they'll stay in the Premier League for next season. Sam, he's done it again. Sam Allardyce, what's the point? I mean, four games left. Paying somebody a load of money just on the hope and the prayer that we're going to get a result at West Ham. I think when you start doing things like this, with, say, four games to go, it, it's desperate stakes, really. All this tippy-tappy stuff, everybody keeps going about the right way to play footballs all a lot sometimes. I think they're in free fall. I really do. You ask me, is it right time to change... Might even be too late. What Sam gives you is, you know, what, what Sam says on the tin. You know, he'll have the team organised. And another bullet dodged. The Black Cats may have used up half of their nine lives, but they live to tell the tale after yet another extraordinary escape. I do think that Sam's race has run. I do think the last outcome at West Bromwich Albion is where Sam Allardyce now is. I really think that we should have producer Jeremy involved for this section, don't you? Really? I Absolutely. Mean, it, it, Absolutely. I mean, it would be almost negligent not uh, to, to get him to turn on his, his microphone at this point. Jeremy is our, our producer. He's been our, our producer for probably about six months now. And he's a massive Leeds fan. He's a vocal Leeds fan. I think that's fair to say. Um, it's been a chaotic week. Jeremy, can you hear us? That is the big question. Come on, Jeremy. I'm here. Um, could, it's been a chaotic week, hasn't it, at Leeds United? Thank you for coming on and talking to us. Um, Javi Grazia and Victor Orta have left. Sam Allardyce coming in. Um, Sammy Lee 
wasn't able to join his friend because he's in jury service. Uh, so he, instead, Robbie Keane comes in alongside him. Uh, could you just explain to us uh, your feelings as a Leeds fan uh, in terms of the transition between Marcelo Bielsa and where you are now? <laughs> Stop laughing. I think in terms of the Allardyce appointment, it's kind of like the seven stages of grief. You hear that he's initially linked and you feel anger and then despair. And then you just kind of laugh and there's the acceptance phase. And then I saw him do his press conference yesterday. I've got to say, a little bit of hope. I'm kind of coming through the other end. And look, it's been a miserable week. I kind of accepted that Leeds were going to go down after they got thumped by Bournemouth and thumped by every other team he's faced in the last few weeks. And there's not, you know, I've accepted that they're going to go down and there's not really much more that, that could go wrong. So why not end in this kind of comedy circus fashion? What's going to happen starting at Manchester City away on Saturday? OK, uh, thank you very much. A 66% chance of going down according to the Optus supercomputer. Sam Allardyce says, though, I'm up there with the very best. People, far too many people think that that I am old and antiquated, which is no far, so far from the truth. I might be 68 and look old. But there's nobody, there's nobody ahead of me in football terms. Not Pep, not, not Klopp, not Arteta. So it's all there with me, and I share it with them. They, 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 they do what they do. I do what, do what I do. But in terms of knowledge and depth of knowledge, I'm up there with them. I'm not saying I'm better than them, but certainly as good as they are. I just wish that sometimes you can get the opportunity that, that you can you can show it. But uh, that's never going to happen for me now. Apart from keep leads up, and if I stayed at Leeds. This club was big enough to build a team that was going to challenge those boys eventually. Yeah, Scott, you heard what he said, uh, Sam Allardyce. Is, is it just a classic tactic of taking pressure off the players and putting it on himself? Look, we touched on this um, Tuesday, didn't we? Uh, which I'm, I'm trying to rub out the game at the end where it's never really happened, Sam. But um, when we touched on it pre-match... You know, I, I think there's a real snobbery and a lack of respect towards the experienced players, uh, experienced managers who, you know, can come in and do a job. It's all about the process. And I get that. And, and, it, and it should be. You should be building for the medium to long term. Although in football, can you? But when you get someone like a big Sam and, and you look at what Roy's done at Palace and what, what Neil has done at, at Huddersfield, sometimes you just need these firefighters to come in. Now, I think it's too late. Uh, I don't see, um, although you never know with Forest and, and Everton as well, because I think there's more than three teams chucking Southampton that could easily go down. But I don't know why he's gone there with the comparison of Pep and Klopp. He doesn't need to. He just puts himself up for ridicule in that sense. Is he talking about uh, how much money he's got? Because if he keeps uh, leads <laughs> up, he, get, he gets about 3.5 million quid. It's unbelievable. It's all, it was all a bit Nathan Jones, wasn't it, his opening press conference? Listen, clearly, he's been hurt by the fact that maybe he's been overlooked for jobs, maybe when he's been linked with jobs. He's had people like Jeremy uh, coming on and saying, no, we don't want this guy at our football club. But it, it doesn't matter who's in charge. It, it could be Pep, it could be Klopp, it, it could be Superman. Their four fixtures are horrendous. They won't get a point, I don't think, with or without Big Sam. And I think they're, they're going to go down. The, the best thing was when Leeds United uh, sent a, a tweet out with the, uh, the sort of big graphics of Sam Allardyce's 
Premier League record, which ended up translating to one win in five games. And a lot of people quote tweeted that and went, cheers, there's only four games left. <laughs> and they need probably two wins as well. Can you think of a squad that, that is less suited to Sam Allardyce's style of football? Bearing in mind that they don't have any of those sort of players that sort of dig in and fight. I mean, they've got one or two in terms of Cooper. It says to me, he, he could work with Sam Allardyce. Ailing could work with, with Sam Allardyce. But I'm looking at Aronson, Summerfield, Furpo, uh, Rocker, McKenney. Are they really players that Sam Allardyce is going to get a tune out of? You would think not. But look, you know, and in terms of the money, why not? If it's worth Leeds 100 plus million um, to keep him up, if they if he somehow does. The problem is for me is, is the next two games. I don't see him getting a point out of it. And not just not getting It's a Manchester point. City and Newcastle, isn't it, the next Absolutely. two games? Man City away is your first game. And then you've got Newcastle at home as well. You could not only probably lose that, but lose that big. And then you go into the games of West Ham away where they could get a draw because West Ham would be thinking about the Europa Conference. And then Spurs at home where they could get a win because I don't think there'd be anything left on Spurs this season. So I think there's a possibility of getting four points out if everything goes as well as they can possibly want. But I, I worry for them in the next two games that they could be hit for six or, or whatever, like they have in the recent past as well. And then you go into those last two games absolutely devoid of confidence and the bandwagon and the ridicule starts with Big Sam like it has been with Frank. Yeah, I, I, I think last season Tottenham beat them 4-0 at Ellen Road. Um, I mean, they did win down at the London Stadium, I think, last year in a, quite a chaotic game. But um, uh, certainly, uh, it, it's all it, he's up against it. I mean, not that you would... Uh, listen, he wouldn't be bought in if they weren't up against it. So yeah. there is a reason for doing that. It is just a roll of the dice and Javi Grazia wasn't working. And a bit like... Frank Lampard thing. It's not if they go down. It's not Sam Allardyce's fault. He's got to go in and try and wave a magic wand um, and and try somehow to get something just that little bit more out of a team that are producing very little at this moment in time. The mood has gone very toxic. As for Manchester City, comfortable win in midweek, thirty-five Premier League goals for Erling Haaland. Um, I mean, it's outstanding, isn't it? I mean, it really was a terrific performance, and it is. You know, I did a whole package on it on um, Thursday nights. Uh, review of what happened at Manchester City and West Ham and he takes less shots than most people he's played less minutes than most he's actually only played 28 full games of football in the Premier League this season and he scored 35 goals I think the biggest compliment you can pay him is that I think we all knew as soon as that ball had been slid into his path and he was away from the defender it was in the back of the net he just he never misses He's like a professional. That's not true, is it? Because he has missed a couple of big chances. In fact, we sort of touched on that last night. There's a couple of times where he's missed from very close to the goal, but he doesn't care about it. The next one comes along and it'll gobble it up. He's just nerveless. He's, he's absolutely nerveless. I mean, some people have, have labelled him a donkey, uh, which obviously looks a, a bit a, stupid a, a now. Yeah. Who, who, who was that? I don't remember. Do you remember that? I can't remember. I can't what believe someone say that. Who said that? No, technically a donkey when he's not goal scoring. But I, I did see Glenn Hoddle on a similar theme. He was interviewed uh, by one of our colleagues this week and he was saying, would I pay to watch Erling Haaland? No, he said, I'd pay to watch Maradona. I'd pay to watch Messi. I wouldn't pay to watch Erling Haaland. I would. You, you, do do I you know would. what? You'd pay, you'd pay to see trophies uh, coming in. And I'll tell you what, not, not only would I pay for, uh, to go and see Erling Haaland, I actually have. My kid, five years of age... He wanted. He said he's not sure who he supports. Oh, but... your, your your kid's messed up. Why? <laughs> well, one minute he's a Chelsea fan, then he's a United fan, then you're then he's 
asking you to take him to watch Erling Haaland. Yeah, he wanted to, he wanted to go to and see. He needs to get him in line. He, he wants to go and see Erling Haaland. So he said to me, will you take me? And I said, yeah, I have a Saturday off. So I took him to see Erling Haaland. I took him to the game against Southampton. Was that the only game he didn't score in at home this season? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it may have been. Listen, he actually told me yesterday, he said to me, I told him about Haaland breaking the record and he said to me, Rashi is better than Haaland, Dad. See, that's more like it because if one of my boys said, can you take me to see Erling Haaland, I would say absolutely no chance. And I you took them said, to Brighton I... instead. Didn't you, been buying, didn't you buy them loads of Brighton kids? Yeah, but that's fair enough. So my kids are messed up. Okay, fine, fair enough. I hope uh, you let's... said Rushy. Rushy, not Rashi. <laughs> well, this is the other thing, you know, and I, I mentioned this last night as well. You know, we talk about Erling Haaland so much and all the goals that he scored and Salah and Clive Allen, whatever. No one's mentioned the fact that he's even got more goals than Ian Rush, which is quite some achievement. You know, yeah. go back to the 80s. This guy was unstoppable. He's been absolutely terrific. This It shouldn't be underplayed, the achievement. It shouldn't be underplayed. And Nathan Ake did brilliantly as, as well this week. I spoke to him uh, on uh, third, Wednesday night. Uh, remarkably, he is shorter than me, which is amazing. Um, it's, but it's Crookie, true. Crookie, come in, come in. Is this true? What's he it doing? Is, is he having an English? It is. It is. It's amazing. Actually, it freaked me out a little bit because I thought, how? How are you playing in the centre of a defence? It's such a big team, and yet you're smaller than me. That is weird. Um, anyway, let's turn our attention now to the battle of the 12th position as informed Bournemouth take on woefully out of form uh, Chelsea. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch, with the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Oh dear. Of all of Frank Lampard's six defeats, this performance in midweek was the absolute worst. Um, I don't really know what, what you do from here. And I said to Frank Lampard, where do you go from here, Scott? What what do you do? Um, and he said, well, look, I'll just keep working day in, day out to try and get things sorted. I'll keep trying to fo- refocus the players. Ultimately, uh, they're not focused, are they? I mean, they were a shambles on, on, on Tuesday night. Do you know what? I was on the breakfast show the other day and um, and I said, I always try and be constructive, but I can't find anything constructive to say right now. But we were at the game, Sam. That team he picked was a good team. It was a good system and there were square pegs in square holes. I looked at that midfield of Kovacic, Kante and Enzo Fernandez, and I thought that's going to be a good battle there. They didn't get anywhere near them. Kante ran around a little bit. I thought Ben Chilwell came out um, with, with a little bit of credit. That was that first half was the worst performance I've seen from anybody 
in the Chelsea shirt. And do you know what? It, it, dressing room's broken, Sam, and it's not Frank's fault. Everyone's throwing it. At, we've talked about how they were in the game um, at, at Real Madrid. And, 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 we, and we've said this a few times, and I get it, but, and, and, I, and I agree with you, and I've defended him to the hilt and because I know what's going on behind the scenes and I know what the dressing room's like and I know what some of the players have been up to and I know how they've conducted themselves. Look at Pierre-Emerick or Bamiak all week saying, yeah, 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 I'll play. Pick me, pick me. I'll go up against my, my old side. Turns up, takes kickoff four times and has five other touches in the first 45 minutes. Doesn't run a leg during the course of the first 45 minutes and has to be substituted. Wesley Fofana, been injured three times, can't train four days in a row. Desperate uh, to uh, show that he's the, the big man and worth £70 million. Gets nutmegged by a granite jacker, says my hamstring's hurting. They take him off. He goes, why are you taking me off? And throws a tantrum on the sideline. Outrageous behaviour. You know, they, they come up with a system where they want to push up to make sure they close the space in between the midfield and the defence. Thiago Silva says, I don't want to run up to the halfway line. So they don't, leaving the gap for Erdegaard to pick holes in it. Look, we know that, they, that, that, that there are other issues apart from Frank Lampard. But what has he done to his managerial um, reputation? Where can he go from here after this? It, Look, it's going to be tarnished a little bit, whatever happens. Even if, even if we understand that it, it's not all down to him. Of course it is. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that it's not. And, you know, I was asked by Jace Cundy last night and, you know, would he have regretted taking it? I said, well, we'll only really know that come the end of the season, because if he can somehow pick up a few wins, then maybe he can um, come, you know, come and sort of get back his reputation a little bit. It's not good. He won't get another Premier League job as it stands. Um, but what I would say is there are reasons behind it. And the owner, as much as, They've come in and they've spent money and I've given them credit for that. They're going down a completely the wrong route at completely the wrong club, where for the last two decades, it's all been, you know, about the here and now. And they're trying to plan for the long term. They're buying loads of players. It's a bloated squad. It's £600 million. They haven't got a striker. And I think, and I don't know, that he wants to have a manager that he can kind of influence a little bit, whatever yeah. that may mean. So... You know, they've lost out on Nagelsmann. They've lost out on Luis Enrique. I think Poch is able to manage up as well as manage down. Get him in as soon as possible. My argument here is, and it's not good really for Frank, and I'll defend Frank to the hilt, but what's best for Chelsea Football Club? And again, people are saying, oh, it's not good for a manager's record to come in right now. I don't care about a manager's record. I care about Chelsea and how getting them back to where they belong. So what's the best thing to do now? Come in. See what the players are like when the going is really, really tough. Find out what their hearts are like as well as their technique. Because if he comes in in the summer, he's not going to learn anything in pre-season. There's no pressure in pre-season. And it's not until the start of the season then you really gauge again. And there has to be a cull. There has yeah. to be a big cull. So get in there now and see what they're like. And, and, and that's true, isn't it? Because you know, the way Chelsea are playing right now, you could see them going off that wonderful summer series and strutting around and looking like peacocks. And then they start the first game of the season against, I don't know, Sunderland, who come up through the playoffs or something, and then get beat 3-0 because they wilt in the in the early summer sunshine. Um, Crook, you, you sent me a text earlier in the week and we reached out to uh, the Pochettino camp because you said it was going a bit quiet. Is everything OK? I said to you, as far as I understand, there is no change in the situation. What are you hearing? Because we, it has got a bit quiet. Well, the reason I messaged you was because I was told from somebody reasonably well-connected to Chelsea that the owners and the sporting directors were just becoming a little bit concerned that maybe Pochettino wasn't perhaps as keen to take the job as he was a week ago. I wonder why. <laughs> but I'd imagine there's a bit of brinkmanship here. And, and with every passing game, every poor performance, every defeat, 
Pochettino's claims get stronger. He can pretty much demand what he wants. I don't think this is necessarily a financial issue. I think that's all pretty much sorted. No, it's control. Exactly. I think it is about control. It's about who calls the shots. It's about backroom staff as well. So I think it will still happen. But I think it needs to happen sooner rather than later, at least in terms of the announcement, even if he isn't going to come in. And I disagree with Scott. I think Pochettino would be mad to come in now because Chelsea are in such a mess. I think it, it needs to be confirmed that he will be the manager next season so that these players know where they're going. And we had a bit of a disagreement about this because I, I ran a, a piece in my notebook on the TalkSport website about Carney Chukwamaker, who's not played a minute under Frank Lampard, suggesting that maybe at the moment Lampard is there to prove his own reputation and re- rebuild that rather we than try have a disagreement. build we, for the future. We had, we had an argument about it and you lost the argument. And you ended up staring at me and going, OK. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, you did. But in, in the Brighton press room, I remember it clearly. Well, well you, you made a very good case for why Aubameyang was selected. The flip argument, if you like, is that I, I think Frank well, Lampard... Well, who else would you have played there? Well, because he's not a very good manager, Frank Lampard. It's a sentimental call. He's thinking, right, he's against his former club. Even though he's not you know, played any minutes really for a long time and therefore isn't going to be Matt Sharp. Well, you've been having a go at them not playing centre-forward for the last God knows how long. He might just produce a moment. And you he also did. said to me, why didn't he play someone else at right back? And I said, who? And you couldn't name anybody. No, well, that was true. You you, you beat me on that point. But they've paid £18 million for Chukwamaker. Surely they need to see what he's all about in this environment because the players that he's picking week in, week out just aren't delivering. Well, this, that, that, that's the case for everybody. That Graham Potter picked loads of players over the course of the season and they weren't delivering either. It, it, this is not about me battering Lampard, by the way. Well, it sounds like I've it. not got an agenda. I don't think he's the good manager. No, um, and that's fine. You Listen, you, you're, you're enjoying what you're saying and that's yeah, fine. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he's revelling. Yeah, revelling in someone's demands is not very kind, actually. He, he, he's, he suddenly loves Ten Hag, but next season, if they haven't started well, let's see how quickly he turns well, on He was Ten turning Hag. last night, actually, to be yeah, honest I'm, with you. I'm you know. sure he was. I, I was not turning on Ten Hag. Tactical but, decisions, not bringing on Ericsson, he was questioning that. The bottom line is, how does Frank keep everyone happy? He can't. Chukwamaker's agent is not, whatever, is, is not going to be happy. And, and so-and-so, so-and-so's agent's not going to be happy. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are not happy, obviously. You've got 11 v 11 on the training ground. You've probably got another 11 just sitting there watching. You know, you've got Thiago Silva's already said about you've got people changing in the corridor. The bottom line is Frank couldn't win. And maybe if he knew then what he knew now, he wouldn't have taken the job. But he, he, what is it that you want? Him to win games or to plan for the future? And it just felt to me that if he didn't do both, then people are going to start at him. Let's talk about Gary O'Neill because we've waxed lyrical about him all season. He's done a very, very good job at uh, Bournemouth. Maybe he should be the Chelsea manager. <laughs> now, look, look I, I think they'll win this game, Bournemouth. Right? I, mean, I don't think Chelsea will get another point between now and the end of the season. Um, if they win this and they leapfrog over Chelsea, that's quite something. I mean, listen, it's already a brilliant achievement, but that is, that is underscoring how magnificent the turnaround has been under him. It's been superb, and, and and listen, I'm the first to stick the boot into managers. So you, you're going to really we haven't noticed. You're going to accuse me of being fickle here, but I have defended Gary O'Neill all season because, like you at Chelsea, I'm very close to what goes on behind the scenes, and it upset me and annoyed me that a small minority of Bournemouth fan, but fans, but a very vocal minority on social media, have really come for Gary O'Neill. I think he's done an incredible job. And even when I put him up as a contender for manager of the season, which I nicked off Scott Minto, by the way, Thank I had you. a Bournemouth fan on social media accuse me of disrespecting the football club. I mean, what? This what? is a guy who inherited a team who'd lost 9-0. Um, by the club's own admission, the squad at the start of the season, therefore through until the, the January window, probably wasn't good enough 
to really survive in the Premier League. They made one or two additions. But actually, if you look at the, the, the men who've really stepped up, they are the players that came in in the summer. Neto, the goalkeeper, has been a massive character. Jack Stevens, who barely kicked a football in the first half of the oh, season. Oh, you scouted him, didn't you? Well, I may have said he's a good lad and you know he'd be good for the dressing room, but I won't claim credit for that. <laughs> but he's been excellent the second half of the season. And Marcus Tavernier, he's a proper footballer. Yeah, injured at the moment, though, isn't he? Is he going to play this weekend? Well, this is a problem. Um, he's, he's got a, a, a suspect hamstring. And he's missed a lot of games injured, yeah. which is unfortunate because they're a better team with him in it. But what they have now got is... The rawness of, of Dongo Watara, who's, who's a light-for-light replacement. I agree with you. I think Bournemouth win this game. And actually, their record against Chelsea is pretty good anyway. I was there when Maurizio Sarri uh, locked his own coaching staff out of the dressing room to give his players a rollicking after being hammered. I think it could be a similar story on Saturday. Uh, the worrying thing for me is that after spending the last three years telling everybody how bad he is, Kepper is now Chelsea's best player. He might need to be on uh, Saturday afternoon. We know Chelsea have got a new man in the dugout next season and another two clubs are looking for managers as well. And they meet at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this weekend, live on TalkSport. Pulls it back. Kane! Was there ever any doubt? They beat Leicester. They'll lose to Chelsea. They thrash Brighton. They'll lose to Southampton and Wolves. Tottenham just aren't to be trusted. We really are at a crossroads. We've been there so many times before, but it, you're looking at, can you take something from the season? The Conference League is Tottenham's level, not Champions League. I've been involved in football long enough to know that things can turn around very quickly. Um, a result can change a lot. Alise coming forward for Crystal Palace. Slid into the family area. Are you with it? Right from the start, I, I found a group of players that I thought were good and, and believed in, and I believe they, they would get the club out of trouble. For a lot of these Palace players, it's like a weight's been lifted off their, their shoulders. Spurs against Palace is live on TalkSport 3 o'clock on Saturday. Um, Javi Alonso, a name we mentioned on the pod a few weeks back, is now in line to take over. I mentioned him after I'd, uh, I'd covered by a Leverkusen. Uh, against Union Saint-Gilois. He's done a terrific job. He dragged them from nowhere at the beginning of October to uh, from Champions League contenders at one point. And they, they, they've done a, brilliantly. He's a good-looking guy as well, isn't he, to be fair? Um, Does but that, that give him extra points? He's going to be in his hotel room in the next exactly, couple of weeks. He'll be booking <laughs> another Brighton Hotel sometime soon. I think he fits the, the criteria of what Spurs are looking for. Um, they're looking for a young, up-and-coming manager. That's why Vincent Company is part of the conversation, why Nagelsmann has been, although I think the lack of a sporting director is, is going to be a problem there in terms of him committing to the project. So I could see Alonso. I could see Michael Carrick as well. That's the name that keeps coming to my head. He's done so well at Middlesbrough. He's got Tottenham connections. I wouldn't rule that out. What I do know is that they're not expecting to make any kind of appointment before the end of the season, which is dangerous because if you're Harry Kane, you're coming to the end of your contract, you're probably going to leave anyway. But he's going to want some clarity as to who's going to be managing him next season. Ryan Mason makes them look a little bit better, doesn't he, Scott? I mean, I know they've been down by two goals in both the games that he's been in charge of, but there's been a response. They look a little bit better. Well, what they are is they're a team that they we saw at the beginning of the season, rubbish in the first half, much better in the second, you know, and, and somehow find a way to to show a bit of character in that second half. And I, I, I still don't know why they're not like that from the very start. You know, we were there at the, at the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium not that long ago against Manchester United. They should have been 3-0 yeah. down at half-time, uh, but did come back and, and did really well. Um, 
Look, it's a difficult one for him, just like it is for for Frank Lampard as well. The results aren't going for him. It, you know, to come in and be that caretaker manager with a, you know, a big sort of egos and big players is is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I agree. You need um, they're not going to finish top four. You need a man to come in. You know, it's interesting. I think it's a little bit early for Mickey Carrick, and yet there's something about Vincent Company. I I really like, and we mustn't forget that he had a a good few years at uh, Anderlecht. So. He's got that kind of experience to fall back on, but I just don't see him going there. If you can get someone like a Nagelsmann, you know, he would have been my choice at Chelsea. Get them in. But Harry Kane, who knows what's going to happen? He's got another year left in his contract. And I can imagine Daniel Levy saying, I still want £100 million. Or will yeah, it well, well, Manchester United want it, but it's going to cost them £90 million quid, And it's going to be a very difficult deal to do because Levy's, you know, it's hard work. And they don't want to, they don't want a difficult deal to do. You say that. But Manchester United are the one club that Daniel Levy has regularly sold to in, in recent years. Because they've paid a lot of money for their, for their mm. players. Yeah, but I think if they do bid £90 million, surely Tottenham have got When was the last player they bought to off Tottenham? Ericsson. That was probably what? Uh, uh, no, no, not Ericsson. Ber- Berbatov. Berbatov. Yeah. Berbatov, yeah. Carrick, Sheringham. Um, you know, it's, it's a well-trodden path. If he goes anywhere in England, unless Newcastle... Ten years ago. But unless Newcastle suddenly decide, actually, we're going to have a right go this summer... He can only go to Manchester United. They're not going to sell him to Chelsea, despite the fact that under Pochettino, Chelsea would be interested. They can't sell him to Arsenal. Liverpool need to invest elsewhere. Manchester City don't need him. So if he's going to stay in England, if he's going to beat Alan Shearer's record, it has to be Manchester United. I'm all for it. What's the point of him breaking Alan Shearer's record anyway? Because Erling Haaland's just going to come up from behind and break it again. (laughs) Because he'll be at Real Madrid in three years. He would have done it by then. Yeah, at the rate he's going. (laughs) Wilfred Zaha... Uh, wants £10 million a year to stay at, at Selhurst Park. Would you give it to him, Scott? Do you know what? It, it's not as ridiculous as you seem, if you, or as you first think. If you think, how, how much old is he now? Cost, how much would it cost to replace him? Uh, I understand that, but you know, there's he's a, coming a, towards the end of his career. Wouldn't you oh, be absolutely. better off investing in a younger talent who you can probably generate more income from over time and, well, a, and an asset that's going to appreciate rather than someone who's coming to the end of their career? I, I think there's a lot of football clubs this season that have had that philosophy and it's not quite worked with a lot of their signings. So, <laughs> True. You know, it, it is a difficult one because he's... Is he worth ten million a year? I don't think he is worth ten million a year, but he's in a position where Palace are going to lose him anyway. So, what, do they keep him on? You know what you get, Will Sahar. He loves um, Crystal Palace, and Palace fans love him. Or do you spend thirty, forty million pounds on someone plus wages who there's no guarantees? He's thirty years of age, and ten million pound a year is ten percent of the income that they get from the television revenue. I know it doesn't sound much when you're talking about Manchester United or you're talking about even Chelsea spending £20 million a year on Raheem Sterling. And that's a huge portion of your budget every single year of your Crystal Palace on someone who is, you know, not over the hill, but he's, you know, climbing up towards the peak of it. I think the good thing if you're Crystal Palace is that uh, they're not so reliant on Wilfred Zaha. He has missed games this season. He always does pick up these these muscular injuries. And they've got players like Elise and Eze now who can who can replace Wilfred Zaha. The biggest issue, actually, might not be what to do about Wilfred Zaha. It might be hanging on to those two because we hear overnight that uh, PSG are taking yeah. a close look at Michael Elise. Well, so, Elise is a, a terrific little player, isn't he? He's very graceful, great skill. He's got an eye for goal. He's, he's, he's been terrific for a couple of years and he's blossomed uh, um, in the last few weeks. So they've also got to sort out the managerial situation. Roy Hodgson's done a very good job, but I don't think uh, he's going to stay on at the end of the, the campaign. 
What's Neil Warnock doing? <laughs> I tell you what he's doing. He's he's masterminding an incredible relegation escape. He's celebrating a relegation yeah, yes. escape this morning. Absolutely. Congratulations to him. I, yeah. I think if Forest go down, and obviously we have differing views on that, you think they'll stay up. I think Monday's massive for them. I think Steve Cooper leaves the city ground, and I think Crystal Palace would be very keen to snap him up. Well, as they were a year ago, actually. Yeah. Uh, two years ago. Yeah, I think he's still high on their radar. I think their admirers are Graham Potter. I, I guess the question is, does his Brighton connection hamper him in the eyes of the Palace fans. But again, I think it'll be that kind of coach, a Potter stroke Cooper type character. Okay, let's get stuck into the best of the rest of the weekend's action, starting at St. James's Park. Oh dear, Newcastle against Arsenal. Arsenal went to St. James's Park last time last year and lost their Champions League status. They thought they were going to get into the top four and it crumbled on Tyneside. Is the Premier League title hopes, their faint Premier League title hopes, going to crumble on Tyneside as well, Scott Minter? Look, this is a very different Arsenal side to the one at the end of last season. Um, but this is one of the worst games that Arsenal could possibly play. It really is. You know, if you, if City had Brighton away and Newcastle away, I think the title race would still be on. But the fact that one of those games, you know, Arsenal does have Newcastle away, I think it's going to be really, really tough. Arsenal quite simply have to win every single game from here on in. And I don't think they will. Look, as good as they were in the first half against Chelsea, you and I could have played against Chelsea, Sam. It was, you know, Chelsea were, were that poor. Um, so I actually don't... It was good for Arsenal to bounce back in the way they did after not winning for a few games. But I don't read too much into that. This is going to be a very, very different game. And yeah, I think if they come away a point... You know, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing in any other situation bar this one right now. No, it's a must-win for them this time around. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It, you know, a point would have been good maybe a couple of weeks ago. But having dropped points against West Ham and against Liverpool, they can't afford to drop any more if they want to keep their faint hopes alive. Um, I thought Kivior did well when he came in for holding in midweek. And Jorginho didn't do too badly, stepping in for Thomas Partey as well. Um, but if Newcastle were to win this, that would almost guarantee... Um, Champions League football. I think at the start of the campaign, we thought maybe, most people thought that Champions League football might be beyond them. I remember defending them when they were drawing a lot of games and saying they should be higher up the table than they actually were because they were robbed at Anfield earlier in the in the season as well. But I didn't necessarily think they would be so solid for so long. No, and I expected them to fall off a cliff after that cup final defeat. And I think actually they had their time again that they would maybe approach that cup final very differently because a bit like Brighton in the semi-final against Manchester United, they, they did freeze Newcastle. They didn't show the best of their capabilities at Wembley. They have done ever since. The, the fascinating dilemma for me going to this game, if, if I'm Eddie Howe, is do you start Callum Wilson, who has a good goal-scoring record against Arsenal, or, or do you start Alexander Isak, or do you go for it and start both? I think that probably is the unlikely scenario, but I agree with you. I, I think Newcastle can and probably will win this game. You mentioned defensively, Kivior did well um, in midweek, but Chelsea were there for the taking. And Chelsea still scored a goal. Exactly. And Gabriel Which is quite remarkable. Gabriel <laughs> picked up a knock in that game. There's every chance that Arsenal without both their first yeah, choice. I don't think defenders. he's going to be fit, Gabriel. He came off afterwards. I spoke to Mikel Arteta and he was he was not he was not happy about the, the injuries that he wasn't comfortable. So even if he does play, I don't think he'll be hundred percent fit. Um I think the other issue is I don't necessarily think that Newcastle will beat them. I don't think Arsenal will win. And it is a must-win game. And I think that's that's slightly slightly different. But it should be a cracking encounter. Certainly one that will keep us glued to the television. Uh, we're going to be at West Ham against Manchester United on Sunday, which is a potential banana skin for Manchester United. 
Um, and Liverpool, Brentford, Saturday, 5.30, five winners in a row for Liverpool. And Crook's getting nervous. He's getting nervous about the top four. He's getting nervous about their place, Manchester United's place, being taken by Liverpool, Scott. Can they do it? Are you there Sunday, by the way? West Ham. I am. So are you coming Sunday? Yeah, I'm doing that one. Yeah. Are you, are you going Sunday? Uh, I was until last night. Another freebie. I, I probably will. Still this has been your third Manchester United game in a, a row. How many tickets have you bought? <laughs> anyway, let's go. Right, yeah. Question. Okay. Yeah, I've, got yeah, I've got an upgraded hotel room, by the way, on uh, on Sunday. <laughs> has he got two beds? I don't know. They haven't told me yet. He only does director's box, don't forget. So I like, he'll probably text to me later and say, "Look, who do you know at yeah. West Ham? Can you, can you get me in?" Yeah. <laughs> Look, 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 I I think Liverpool have been fortunate with the run they're on. I don't think they've been particularly great. Um, I think the Fulham game, they sort of stumbled through. I know Marcus Silva wasn't happy with the actual sort of goal itself, but I think it was a pen. Um, but I think the way they played, I think there's still lots of vulnerabilities there. And, I, and I, I just feel that United have enough points on the board that Liverpool are going to have to win the rest of the games, which they, they, they are capable of doing, and they are doing at the moment, but I don't think they will. I think that buffer is just enough. Don't forget that United still have a game in hand, but West Ham away. Arsenal have shown that that can be a very difficult place to go, and West Ham aren't, West Ham aren't 100% out of it yet. They're only four points above the relegation zone. There's a lot of teams that need to go above them, but they still need, at the very least, a draw, if not a win, just to get themselves away. United have won three of the last, uh, four of the last seven against West Ham by a goal to nil. Maybe it'll be a narrow victory for Eric Ten Hag's side. Crookie will be happy uh, with that. Um, that'd be nothing to be sneezed about. You're right there. You're having a little bit of a moment. I think it's hay fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he's been too close to Roberto De Zerbi. Um, <laughs> uh, the review podcast, by the way, will be out on Tuesday this week, which is the bank holiday and three more fixtures on Monday. There's someone knocking on the door behind us. Do you want to come in? You've been locked out. Sorry. Is it, it's not It's Adrian. Is it Adrian? It's Adrian. Um, do, uh, do you know what? On Adrian, by the way, he, very kindly, as well as me setting my alarm to make sure I get off this podcast, he set his. But it didn't wake him up. It, was, it must have been going for a good five, ten minutes. When I left the room, he was still snoring. His alarm was still going full blast. <laughs> He was on one last night. He, he, was, he, he was a very happy boy last night. I think he's still basking in the glory of his, his, his award, which he got deservedly as Absolutely. the best speech presenter in, in the country. Uh, so, uh, listen, it was, it was a great, great night out on, uh, on Brighton Seafront on Thursday night. And it was especially fun ribbing Crook about Manchester United's performance throughout the whole evening. He just sat there grumpily in the corner, just occasionally going, Ooh, Martial! Um, Tottenham against Crystal Palace is live on TalkSport on, on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Uh, Sunday, we've got live commentary of West Ham against Manchester United. 7 o'clock Sunday night, Monday night, Nottingham Forest against Southampton. Massive games, huge games, all on TalkSport. Scott, thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you Sunday. Uh, Crook, I'll probably see you Sunday. Um, and, uh, of course, um, we'll be uh, back on Tuesday morning with a review of all of the weekend's footballing action. Thanks for downloading the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. 
Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.